Hi, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of the Scouting Spotlight podcast here on the World Football Index. I'm your host, Austin Miller, joined, as always, by Tom Robinson. And Tom, it feels crazy to say, but we've been doing this podcast now for over a year, and we've built up quite a collection of profiles of all these South American youngsters. So we thought it would be a good time to take a look back at some of our earlier podcasts and see maybe some of our hits and misses of the players we profiled. Yeah, I can't believe it's been a year already. And again, doing some research and, and sort of checking up on some of these guys, we've really covered quite a, a, a large number of players there. And it's uh, it's been great to see some of them do well, others not so much, but we'll get into that. And so, yeah, looking forward to this trip down memory lane. And we've covered such a wide range of players, too. We've got one of the stars of the World Cup in Yeri Mina in our profile. And also we have, you know, Carlos Cuesta, a player who's 19 years old and still in Colombia. Wendell, a player who most of our audience has probably not heard of. So we've gone far and wide to find our scouting spotlight profiles. Yeah, I think that's that's a good thing about it. We've obviously both you and I favor some of the bigger nations in Argentina and Brazil. So there's obviously a bias towards that. But I think the spread has been good. And and not only are these guys who've who've done stuff in the last year, but they're, they're young players, some who are still not even 20. So they're, they're guys that we can keep looking back at in, for the next you know three or four years, potentially. So even if they've not had a good year, that's not, that's not to write them off completely. We've picked these players for a reason and, and they've all got something about them. And plenty more to come as you and I map out the next couple months here on the Scouting Spotlight podcast. That's the great thing about South American football. There's always good young players coming up, so there will always be plenty of inventory for us to profile in podcasts. But let's start with the very first player we ever talked about, Yanhel Herrera, a star of the Under-20 World Cup with Venezuela, signed for Manchester City, loaned to their sister club, New York City FC, here in the States, out for the rest of 2018 after ankle surgery. But Tom, he's still a really young player. Yeah, he's still young. He's He's got some good experience. I think he's now got over 30-odd games um, for New York in, in MLS. So the, there's there's positives to, uh, to take away. It's obviously not been a breakout year for him as, as maybe we thought it could potentially be. But yeah, he's, he's still probably on this list one of my favorite players and one guy I'm really rooting for. So hopefully he gets uh, fit and recovers from that ankle surgery. Can, you know, can be a tricky injury to shake off. Um, but hopefully he can get back to his the, the form that that made him star at the Sudamericano in the Under-20 World Cup and be that kind of midfield general of the new generation of Venezuelans aiming for, for a first World Cup appearance. So, yeah, might not have had the the most impressive year by but compared to some of the other guys, but definitely one to keep, a, keep an eye out for. And I know that this is an opinion I've shared on multiple times on multiple different places, but he's a player that we'll be seeing in Qatar 2022, I think. Venezuela, for my money, one of the teams from South America that you'll be seeing at the next World Cup. And I know that that's an opinion that you share as well. Yeri Mina was at Palmeiras, no longer there, much to my displeasure. Moved to Barcelona, had a great World Cup, wasn't so great for his new squad, and Tom, it looks like Yerry Mina could be on the move and he could be on the move to England. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been eventful, to say the least. Um, I think England is a, is a league that would suit him just for that, just for the physical attributes. Obviously, he's got a lot more than that. But, you know, he showed at the World Cup. He's, he's absolutely devastating um, going forward. We were headers from set pieces, as, as England found out <laughs> um, all too all too well. Um, but, yeah, it, 
I think um, it's a shame that Barca haven't really given him the opportunity to to show what he can do. But their loss might be someone else's game. How do you see his his year? It's been it's been a bit of an up and down, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. He was keen to move to Barcelona ahead of the World Cup. He had the option to stay at Palmeiras for another six months, but did move to Barcelona. Palmeiras got a little extra money from the deal. But I think it's important to remember that he kind of moved to Barcelona on that discount because there was that future kind of signing clause that they were able to get when he moved to Palmeiras from Santa Fe. And so Barcelona are actually looking at profiting from Yerimina with a sale on to either Everton or Manchester United or two of the clubs that are interested and so for Barcelona to be able to profit off a player like Mina, I, I think that's kind of something that we forget about in this conversation sometimes. Like, yeah, he hasn't gotten the opportunity, but they can still make it not a huge profit, obviously. They are Barcelona, but a good amount of money. And, and like you said, I think an English club would actually fit really well. And so often with South American players, we talk about how the English league can be so difficult for a lot of them because of the physicality. That's not something that you see in the South American leagues. But Mina is a player who would fit right in with his physical nature, with his aggressiveness. You're not going to find a Premier League player who's who's stronger than Yeri Mina. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's it's always interesting when we look at these players in terms of trying to grade how successful their year has been. And you could you could argue different things for Mina, but I think out of arguably all the players on this list, he's He's the guy whose whose profile has really shot through the roof from those World Cup appearances, and and I for one, um, if he does end up moving to to the UK, then I'll be very happy to see him strut his stuff and uh, put out some of those awesome dance moves. Yeah, you'll be seeing a lot of dancing in the Premier League from Yeri Mina. Good amount of goals. Next player, Tom Sebastian Driussi, went from River Plate, joined the Argentine Exodus at Zenit St. Petersburg. And it seems like he's doing okay there. To be fair, I haven't watched much Russian Premier League. Shame on you, Austin. You need to you need to get get on that a bit more. But no, I, it's it's all kind of gone a bit quiet for Drusi, really, hasn't it? Um, I think shortly after we recorded, he he went to Zenit, and certainly was a bit of a surprise. But then when you look at all those Argentinian players, it it kind of made a bit more sense. And I think it's five goals and five assists in about twenty games, which is it's not brilliant. But I don't think he's always been a guaranteed starter and. And again, like like with all these players, still young, adapting to a a vastly different league, and and I think who knows after after the after the World Cup, maybe more people will pay a bit more attention to Russia and what's going on there. And and he he's someone that I've always liked ever since under seventeen level. And um, there was also an amusing story where I think he he met Messi, but Messi didn't realise who he was and just thought he was a fan. So. Obviously, his profile needs some needs some boosting still. The next player, also uh, somebody whose profile needs a little boosting, Tom. Jose Luis Gomez, <laughs> when we recorded the podcast, was a Lanús player with a chance to maybe get in the Argentine squad for the World Cup, or so we thought. I'm happy to report he is still a Lanús player. Uh, unfortunately, he does not have a chance to make the Argentine World Cup squad, or any Argentine squad, for that matter. But he did play 52 minutes for Argentina once. Yeah, this is... This is the one that I've been dreading talking about. Uh, I think he's he's got more mentions than most on uh, across all these pods, but I think I think it's not all bad for Gomez. I'm going to stick my neck out there and, and and back my guy because he's he's really been plagued by injuries ever since we recorded the pod. Um, obviously, he didn't get that World Cup call up, and and as I think I predicted him <laughs> a starting place. Although to be fair, he couldn't have done much worse than. Than the guys out there, so but he did get to a Copa Libertadores final, 
Um, it was, however, his error that led to the goal. And, and there were some sort of emotional quotes about him saying that he might retire after that. But yeah, he's he's ended up having surgery, um, I think, in April. Um, and he's finding his way back to fitness. So it's, it's kind of been a, a pretty devastating year for him. But he is still one of the guys who they're talking about um, when when they're sort of mentioning this rejuvenation of the national team. So I don't think it's all bad. Um, it's It's been tough and he might have missed that chance for a big, big move to Europe. But I could see him, you know, popping up at a Mexican club or, or something like that. And, and just due to the sheer lack of options uh, at fullback for Argentina, he's still got a bit of a chance. So, yeah, well, watch this space. Um, someone who I'll always have a fun... Uh, a fondness for after after my horrendous prediction. Man, you are sticking with it, aren't you? Jose yeah. Luis Gomez till you die, huh? I'm nothing if not loyal. Just, I mean, you have to be as a Villa fan. <laughs> In your defense, it was not the most outlandish of shouts because as we saw from that Argentina team at the World Cup, they didn't really know what they were doing in defense. And so somebody who had played relatively well domestically had a chance to get into that squad and could have been useful perhaps... You know, you make some calls. They don't always get right. What can I say? I got your back, man. Cheers, buddy. <laughs> uh, next one, Luan. When recorded at Gremio, has been linked with Liverpool seemingly for years now. Uh, Barcelona were re- reportedly interested, was on the fringe of the Brazil World Cup squad, didn't quite make it in. Tom, he's still at Gremio. He's still good. He's still one of the best players domestically at Brazil. But he's continuing to get older and older. He's not a young boy anymore. And he might be following the Lucas Lima approach where he just kind of is content to stay in Brazil and play at a really high level there. Yeah, it's it's weird because he has had a good year. He's won the Libertadores, you know, what probably the best player on the continent. But he's he's still there. And and like you said, maybe maybe he's just decided, eh, you know what, I've got a I'm happy being a, a, a big fish in a, a slightly smaller pond, although you can, you know, barely call Brazil a small pond. But yeah, maybe he'll he'll follow in Lima's uh, footsteps and and get to that pinnacle of uh, his career at Palmeiras. You never know. Um, do you do you really think he's gonna stick around, or do you reckon he might? Do you reckon this is his last chance? This this next six months. Well, I hope he doesn't follow Lucas Lima's path to Palmeiras and then at Palmeiras be like Lucas Lima has because that hasn't been as successful as I would have hoped that it has. But he's made 220 appearances now for Gremio, which is just, I think, unheard of for a player of his caliber. I don't know. I I think, like you said, he seems to be very comfortable there, which I don't think you should, anyone, and not to say we are knocking him, but I don't think anybody should knock him for that. He's at a high level, about as high level as you can get in South America. He's comfortable. He's loved by the fans. Um, he's, you know, on the fringes of the Brazilian national team. I don't think he'll ever be an, a sure starter for them, particularly as long as he stays in Brazil. But it wouldn't shock me to see on the, him on the Copa America roster for Brazil, you know, 12 months from now. I don't know. He's an interesting one because it kind of felt like his time was maybe this past winter or even, you know, this period, this transfer window. But everything seems to have really cooled down on Luan from, you know, where Liverpool had reportedly sent scouts to watch him in the Libertadores. I haven't seen any sort of fresh transfer rumor in this window. And this kind of does not feel like last chance saloon for him. He could still go to Europe at, you know, 29 or 30 even. Um, But it does kind of seem like he's content and settled with where he's at. 
Yeah, and specifically talking about those Liverpool rumours now, I think ever since they got to the Champions League and the the business they've done in the window, I think they've just kind of gone to a new level. And I think maybe the old Liverpool Luan would have fitted into, but I think this new sort of title challenging potentially um, side, I think he's maybe not quite ready to just slot into that and, and be perfect. It's, I mean, definitely not making it to the World Cup squad, I think has has harmed his chances of a really big move. Obviously, there's still tons of teams that would take him, but yeah, it's. Uh, I have a feeling that maybe his his shot at the at the elite is is possibly over, but I wouldn't rule out move to Europe or who knows, maybe maybe China or somewhere like there. Um, just one last payday before uh, seeing out the the rest of his career back in Brazil. Who knows? Yeah, and it, he does. He is one of those players who has that decision. Does he play? You know like you said, be one of the best players on the continent or is it worth a move to a mid-table or a Europa League side in Europe? And, and we see that with some players sometimes that they're content to stay in South America and, you know, more credit to Luan for that. The next player, Tom, one of the players that I think is your and I's favorite, one of our favorites at least in South America, Venezuelan goalkeeper Wilker Farinas. Since we recorded the podcast, he's moved from Caracas to Millonarios in Colombia, still just 20 years old the undisputed number one for Venezuela for that new generation of Venezuelan players. It's just continuing to trend upward for Farinas. Yeah, it's been steady progression really, hasn't it? He's, he's impressed us in the Libertadores with Misioneros. And I think we, we said at the time that maybe uh, just a step across to Colombia would, would make sense and, and be a requisite step up without being too much of a jump. And as, um, Colombian expert Simon Edwards has, has been telling us there's there's talks of uh, Benfica's involvement in in paying that transfer fee with a with a an idea to move him over to Portugal in, at some point in the future. So that's one to keep an eye on, and and certainly I think um, we'll be seeing him star for for Venezuela in hopefully the Copa America and and the qualifi- qualification for the World Cup going forward. So. Yeah, this is a guy who we could easily be talking about for 15 years and just waxing lyrical about. He's he's a favourite, but yeah, he's not had the biggest year. I think 2017 was obviously the one where people really sat up and took notice of him. So this has just been steady progression and and slowly building up to what's going to be an exciting career. And I think importantly for him is he's continuing to just play. You know, he's, he's the starter at Milanarios. He's getting experience in Libertadores at a bit of a higher level in Colombia. And like you said, Benfica have reportedly been involved or at least around. And I think, like you said, just that steady progression. And that's good for a goalkeeper like him. He doesn't need to go somewhere where he's going to be a number two and not playing. He's still so young that just playing anywhere is beneficial for him and, and plenty of bright things still to come. Wendell was at Fluminense, moved to Sporting in Portugal, didn't play much there, and it doesn't look like he's going to stick. Tom, you've heard rumors that he may be back on his way to Brazil. He was a bit of a, a long shout from us. I'll take the, the egg on my face for this one. Uh, he did it for six months at Fluminense, but couldn't really do it beyond that and may have to kind of start from the bottom again back over in Brazil. Yeah, I wouldn't feel too bad about that that shout because at the time he... He was a you know the breakthrough star at that point and and to be fair I, I think we did both sort of I don't know sort of mention 
mention some of the reservations we had about him because uh, we had such a small sample size to go from. So that was always the worry that he was almost the perfect example of these Brazilian kids who come out of nowhere and within six months of transfer before anyone's really seen what they can do. Um, you know, the Fluminense have cashed in on him. Sporting have taken a punt on him. But I don't think either of us are that surprised that it's that it's not worked out. Um, we sort of, we did, we did err on the side of caution as to how good he could be. So, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough way back, but it could be a, a character building experience and, and, and there's still plenty of time to, to sort of get back in the, back in the groove and get his momentum going again. Yeah, and there are so many players that we've seen who go over to Europe maybe on the first attempt and it doesn't work out and they do come back to South America and, and then they rebuild themselves. And, and then from there, they're able to maybe make another move down the line that is more beneficial. Still time for Wendell. Uh, that six months maybe wasn't who the real Wendell was, uh, but has plenty of time to, to rebuild his career. I think outside of the biggest names that we've done, Tom, you know, Mina, Lautaro Martinez, who we'll get on to in a bit, Christian Pavone, this next player, Juan Camilo Hernandez, was one that we were on a bit earlier than most uh, before he even started at Wesca on loan from Watford. We did that pod with, with Simon Edwards, our Colombian expert, who you talked about earlier. And boy, what a year Juan Camilo Hernandez had in the Spanish second division. 16 goals in 31 games. Reportedly linked to Barcelona, big price tag, good things still to come for Cucho. Oh yeah, again one of my favourite young players and has been for for well probably coming up to two years now. Um, he's just just taken that clever move um, to the Spanish second division, where at first it was it seemed a bit of a, a bit of a confusing one, but. Wesker got promoted. He's going to be playing in La Liga. They've Watford have loaned him back there, which I think is a clever move. And yeah, he's sort of developed from maybe more of an attacking midfielder into a into a proper number nine now. He's kind of showing those sort of stocky, explosive, uh, creative moments that we kind of seen from a young Sergio Aguero. So it's it's. Uh, still kind of bubbling under for most people i don't i don't think most people are still fully aware of uh, what kucho can do but i think next season or this coming season now he's he's going to make a mark in la liga and and then from there i'm sure watford will uh, will be desperate to get him back to the premier league and i th- i think it would have served as really good preparation for him so yeah this is a guy who's in terms of potential right up there with with some of the best guys that we've uh we've profiled and so often when a player gets sent on loan there's so many question marks and we saw this with marlos moreno bought by manchester city loaned out for two straight years to spain and for the most part those two years were pretty much lost years for marlos moreno he just didn't play now he's back in south america on loan still from city at flamengo and and is starting to regain that form but the positive here for cucho is he showed that he could do it already for Lesca, and so there's no sort of reservations from them. And, and yes, they're probably going to find themselves in a relegation battle this year, but he's proven himself for this club, and so I don't think Watford have to be concerned about 
Hernandez getting playing time there because he's probably going to be their number one option. And at a high level like La Liga is, this is going to be a great learning experience for him after how well he showed last year. Definitely. And I think what you touched on there as well with the fact that he's he's got a lot of second tier experience. Um, obviously, he had a, a loan move to America de Cali um, for about six months and maybe wasn't a starter there. Obviously, he was very young. But I think now is his time to... He's made a mark on second division football, both in Colombia and Spain now. And I think it's his time to make it in the in the top flight. And he's just incredible in terms of, you think, how many games he's he's played, how many goals he's scored for someone who's... What, is he still 18 or, I think, uh, maybe 19 at the oldest? Um, he's racked up so much experience already that most players can only dream of. So that that experience and and just that mentality and personality um, and leadership that we've seen from him is is going to stand him in good stead. Still just 19, can confirm. So a lot of good football still ahead of him and, and the signs are very positive. These next two players, we also did a profile with Simon. Uh, Carlos Cuesta at Atletico Nacional and Nicolas Benedetti at Deportivo Cali. Both of those players still in Colombia, uh, for those respective clubs, both still very young, uh, but they're getting good playing time, and it looks as though they're both continuing to develop, Tom. Yeah, I think uh, Quest is someone who's maybe not played quite as much um, as we'd as we'd hoped. I think there's been some injury in there, but he's still someone who's very young. And, and Benedetti, I feel like he's ready to make that leap um, from Colombia. He's, he's been there for quite a while. He's racked up a lot of games. Uh, I know Ajax were interested, um, but there's sort of been a left field shout from Minnesota. So he could well up, uh, could well end up in MLS. And, you know, it, at first you might think, uh, you know, you, you expect him maybe to be more Europe, Europe bound. But I think there's plenty of young South American players who've proven that, that uh, MLS is quite a good place to actually... Uh, Get some get some experience um, in a different division, and be able to sort of be a main player straight away. So we, I think we could see it wouldn't be too surprising if we saw Benedetti maybe take a not as big a jump as we maybe would have expected when we recorded the pod. And worth noting with that Minnesota team, they have Darwin Quintero who is at America in Mexico, a Colombian. Uh, Romario Ibarra is also there, the Ecuadorian. So they have a bit of a South American flavor to them, although Minnesota is not a place that you would traditionally associate with South American flavor. Can confirm it would get very, very cold there in the winter for Nicolas Benedetti. I think he'd still be spending his holidays back home in Colombia. Next player, Richarlison, who we profiled when he was at Fluminense on the way to Watford. Started out so strong at Watford under Marco Silva. Then he left and things kind of went downhill. So what did Richarlison do? He linked back up with Marco Silva and is heading to Everton on a big, big number. Tom, did you ever expect to see that number by Richarlison's name when we saw that he was going to Watford? <laughs> Definitely not within a year, that's for sure. He's he's someone who surprised us, and again, one of the one of the guys on the list who's, I guess we could say, he's been one of the the biz, biggest success stories. Even if the second half of last season was was very poor compared to how brilliantly he started. Um, and I think a lot of that goes down to the Marco Silva impact. And and I certainly over here, people have been lamenting the type of 
player that forty million pounds seems to be able to buy you as as if Richarlison's not that good. But if he can show a bit more consistency and and Silva can repeat the trick and get the same format of him he did in that first half at Watford, then he could be a really good addition and start maybe even knocking on uh, the door for a Brazil call up. So I think this is a this is a guy who we we were positive about and uh, maybe more positive than than most most people uh, when they first saw the move to Watford but no way did either of us see it being 40 million pounds after a year so yeah fair play to Richardson. the next one another one who's had a bit of an unfortunate string of injuries Juan Foyth who moved from Lanus to Tottenham to be as you said at the time Tom their Foyth option uh Looks like he could be on loan out of Tottenham, but unfortunately for him, he's injured currently, which is a real shame because Tottenham are obviously just ravaged by World Cup players who aren't there for preseason. So this was a real chance that Foyth could have gotten in and gotten games in front of Pochettino. Plenty of playing time on Tottenham's United States tour. That's not happening. There was a link, though, with Bielsa's leads, which I think makes a lot of sense for Foyth. He got a couple of games at Tottenham. Jury's still out, still a very young player. Uh, but this could be a big year for him. Yeah, definitely. I think this is the the year that, um, as long as he can stay fit, that is, um, he'll kick on and start getting some Premier League game time on a, on a more regular basis. It really seems like Pochettino and, and the Spurs backroom staff are, are kind of slowly easing him in, but have, have definitely got a plan for his, his development and his future. He, you know, he, he was getting games in the League Cup, FA Cup, I think he even got a Champions League appearance as well. So, I, you know, I thought that he might just go straight into the reserves and we'd not hear anything. So the fact that he's been in and around the, the first team, I think he's been on the bench quite a lot, they're all really positive signs that he's been considered um, and is, is part of Tottenham's future. It would have been absolutely fantastic to see him uh, link up with Bielsa in the Championship. I think that would have made for a really interesting mix. And he could have really kicked on in, in in the championship. And I still think the championship would be a, a good loan move for him. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate of him getting integrated into the senior national team just so he can get that experience from a young age. Because as we saw at the World Cup, their defense is terrible and they need to start taking a punt on some good youngsters. And, and Foyth is, is certainly on paper and, and technically one of the better prospects. So yeah, this, this could be a big year, but again, even if we only see flashes of him, I think it's a, it's a, it's just stepping stones and, and in a position like center back, it's, you know, you can't rush anyone too soon. And as you said, the fact that he got any time at all at Tottenham last year was a big positive for him and, you know, made the bench in a couple of Premier League matches, saw some cup action for a player that young and that inexperienced at that type of level it is a positive sign, and, and you know there's still plenty of time for him to develop. But there's going to be openings in the defense for Tottenham. You would expect that they would probably fill those from outside, uh, but could be more opportunities this year for him there should he stick around. Another defender that we profiled, Guillermo Arana, moved from Corinthians to Sevilla in Spain. Tommy didn't play all that much for Sevilla after moving, but from what you hear, he's been good in training and in the preseason, so this could be a big year with some big opportunities for him. Yeah, I've heard I've heard positive things from a, a few people I know who who follow Seville and and a Sevilla fans. So 
Um, I I like him. I think a bit like uh, George um, at Monaco. He kind of needed that six months just to to, to fit fit in and get used to things and and realise the level he needs to be. Um, and I think he's kind of shook off a few fitness injuries and, and he's really got his head screwed on. So uh, I think this will be the year where, where he becomes uh, a bigger name in, in La Liga. And and I don't know, do, do you reckon there's a, there's a chance of him sneaking into the Brazil squad, Austin? Yeah, it's interesting to see where Brazil goes because I don't know that you're going to see much turnover from Brazil at this point just because of the fact that there is a Copa America less than 12 months away and there's nobody, you know, there's not a Mascherano in this Brazil side that is just so close to being done that I think you'll see most of this Brazil side stick together. So I don't think you'll see opportunities for a player like Arana, but he's one to definitely keep an eye on for, you know, two to four years down the line to start getting in that conversation, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, Definitely, like with all these players, 12 months isn't going to make or break them. But um, I think, especially some of the guys that we try to get on there early, um, it's, it's no surprise that they're just, you know, feeling their way into Europe. And and the fact that he's joined Seville, I think that was the one of the clubs we, we tipped to be a, a potential location. I, th- I think it's a really good fit. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still positive about him. Lautaro Martinez has made the move from Racing in Argentina to Inter Milan in Italy. He has hit the ground running. He wasn't in the World Cup squad for Argentina, but that has not stopped him from scoring goals for Inter Milan in the preseason. And Tom, it looks like this move for a promising South American striker to Inter is going to go better than the last move for a promising South American striker to Inter. Gabriel Barbosa now in the relegation zone for Santos back in Brazil. So that move didn't quite work out for him. But Lautaro Martinez, it looks like this is going to go well. I have no doubt um, at all that um, about Martinez. Uh, I think he's going to be a fantastic addition. He's he's one of these guys that, unlike some of the names on this list, we know can go straight in and make an instant impact. He's he's definitely one of my favourite young Argentinian players and and one of my favourites on this list. I'm so glad and so happy that he's he's looking like that this could be a very good move and and certainly the link with Icardi should uh, should he stay at Inter could be really interesting for the national team as well uh, I think I think he was he was uh, Martinez was on an upward trajectory when when we did the pod I can't can't remember exactly when it was but um, I think even even though we had high expectations for him he just kept impressing more and more and and the fact that he played him himself into contention for a World Cup squad uh was was so impressive, really, in in the space of about a year of first team football, and and I, I think Argentina would have looked better had they had him in the squad. So um, Martinez, I think I am super confident about, and I think he might steal some of Cristiano Ronaldo's limelight in Serie A this season. Wow, that's bold! It takes a lot to steal around those limelight, doesn't it? Well, okay, he's not going to be the main attraction like Cristiano, but I think while you know he's strutting his stuff over in Turin, I think that Icardi Martinez uh, duo there, I think they're back Champions League football for the first time in a while. I think a lot of people are going to be like, "Hey, this is you know Ronaldo might be uh, the the present, but 
Martinez is definitely the future. And they'll probably be asking why he wasn't in the Argentine World Cup squad. But that's another question for another day. Uh, we talked about MLS earlier, Tom, with Yanhel Herrera at NYCFC. We mentioned it with Nicolas Benedetti and the rumored move to Minnesota United. Ezekiel Barco, a player we profiled when he was at Independiente, made the move to Atlanta United. He's not quite at the level as their other South American superstar, Joseph Martinez. Now, 24 goals and 23 appearances for Joseph Martinez this year for Atlanta. Just absurd. But Barco has hit the ground running well, and he's a player that a couple years down the line, I think we could see make the move from Major League Soccer over to Europe. Oh, definitely. Like you said, he's, he's not maybe the level of Martinez or Almiron, but those guys are, you know, they've got several years on him. So there's plenty of time, and I think it was... It was such a surprise to see him go for a fee that that was that high to MLS. Obviously, we knew about MLS's interest in bringing young South American players in, as we've mentioned earlier on the pod. But the fact they kind of went so big on on such a young guy um, was really quite something. And obviously, he managed to win the Sudamericana with uh, Independiente, um, which is you know another string to his bow. And I think it was a four goals in, in 16 games, which is a pretty decent return. I think he's been a bit inconsistent and he was recently benched for apparently trying it on with a, with a teammate's girlfriend. So I think Barco's a bit of a, a bit of a love boat as well. Having that. <laughs> That's the pun that you promised me. You said you had a good one lined up and there it was. Yeah. I didn't really execute it very well, but you know, Barco, I like him. He's got loads of time on his, uh, on his hands and, uh, I think uh, he's someone who we might not see him in Europe for maybe a couple of seasons, but um, yeah, definitely one to watch and uh, another one who's who should be in the uh, thinking of the of the national team in in the long run. You just like him because his name is is easily punnable. It's about the best one that we've found. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, which you know, I don't think so. I don't think it's a bad thing. No, no, you don't. Not at all. Uh, the next player, Tom, on my preparation sheet for this podcast, I had a list of old team and current team and then a, a sentence of analysis. And for this player, Rodrigo Amaral, old team is simply a question mark because I couldn't remember where he was supposedly playing or not playing when we recorded the pod. Current team has Rossing, which is accurate. And under analysis, I have doesn't look that fat, which I think is a positive for Rodrigo Amaral at this point. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, he, frankly, was horrendously overweight when he uh, when he joined Racing. He'd basically been in this big row with Nacional and not been playing ever since the Sudamericano. And he at the uh, Under Twenty World Cup, he just didn't look fit. Scored a great free kick and injured himself. And and I think that really hampered Uruguay's chances of of maybe winning that tournament. But he's lost 10 kilograms and he's been getting some game time in the the preseason. And he might actually feature in in Racing's first team, especially after um, Lautaro Martinez is gone. I think uh, finally he's, you know, the penny's dropped. He's realized that if he doesn't buck his ideas up, his, you know, his, his whole family is kind of depending on him. Uh, to, for their livelihood so I think he's he's I think he's got a kid as well and, and I think he's just slowly steadily maturing and realizing that it's not just gonna 
it's not just going to happen for him without hard work. And it seems like he's finally put that in. So yeah, the last year has been a complete waste. Um, it's basically just been fat camp, but now, now I've, again, he's, he's the one on the list that I really, really, really hope succeeds probably more than any of the others. I'm not, I'm not expecting him to, but I just think like he's phenomenally talented. Um, but, could be a way could could waste it all so he's he's definitely an interesting player to watch even if he's not playing to illustrate your point tom since july of 2016 which is well over two years now Amaral has played 18 minutes of club football he came on as a substitute <laughs> for nacional in september of 2016 he played 18 minutes in a 2-1 loss to the uruguayan liverpool and has not made a club appearance since then in any competition. This is a big year for him. As you said, the past couple of years have been a waste. He had that stretch at the Under-20 World Cup. Uh, he's had to kind of get some things in order for Rossing. But there's an opportunity there, as you said, with the, the players who have left Rossing. The big chance in the Copa Libertadores. But this is a big year for him. If it doesn't stick at Rossing this year, there's not a whole lot of places he can go from there. Because he'll just have to continue dropping his way down the ladder. And it doesn't get much better if you go to lower-level Argentine clubs. I pegged Lobos Bwap for him, you know, five years down the line. I hope, as you do, that it's better than that. Uh, you can waste two years, but you probably can't waste three. So this is, this is a big year for Amaral. He needs to get on the field, and he needs to get playing. Yeah, I think uh, I think you've nailed it there, really. I mean, that, that statistic is absolutely amazing, really. And it's it's crazy to think that he's still, certainly in Uruguay, considered a guy who could be a sort of once in a generation talent um that's that's how highly he's thought of uh, from his performance at the youth level and and when he was at, in the national sort of youth ranks he was he's in their sort of top 10 sco- top scorers in, in their entire history kind of up there with Luis Suarez and stuff in terms of goals at youth level so yeah like you said this is the one where he's got to at least have just some consistent game time and pr- prove that he can he can manage full matches and and just show something. You know, if if he doesn't get regular game time, then yeah, as you say, Mexican lower divisions. Here, here he goes. Next player, Tom Rodrigo Caio at Sao Paulo, still at Sao Paulo, but probably not for much longer. He stayed there maybe a bit longer than expected in hopes of getting in the Brazilian World Cup squad. That did not work out for him. And then, to make matters worse, he got injured outside of the Sao Paulo picture. He's now linked with AC Milan. And since he's been injured, Sao Paulo have gone on a run of form. They currently sit second in the Brazilian league table. And from their perspective, it looks like Rodrigo Caio may just be expendable and it would be a good windfall for them, some good profits. So Rodrigo Caio is one who could be on the move, not just in the coming months, but in the coming days, perhaps. Yeah, it's it's funny how it's it's changed around for him because I think both of us saw him as okay, maybe not the most exciting player in the world, uh, even among other defenders, but a versatile, uh, reliable, intelligent player who who could make a difference for for a lot of decent clubs in Europe. So the way that Sao Paulo have turned themselves around, the way that injury has has hampered his not not necessarily his development, but him his his chances and his game time. It's he, he's probably got to be one of the the unluckiest guys on the list. Do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think so because he was right 
in close with a shot at the Brazilian squad and probably just missed out and then had the injury, and now he's outside looking in at Sao Paulo. But I think a move would be good for him. He's been at Sao Paulo for so long. As you said, he's versatile, and he can help out in a lot of different places. I think it's his time. You know, so often we talk about how players need time to develop, but Rodrigo Caio, he's, he's not young. You know, I mean, he is young, but he's not as young as some of the names on his list. And this is a good time for a change of scenery for him and to go test himself out at another level. It didn't work trying to get into the Brazil squad by staying in Brazil. So go somewhere else and prove yourself at a higher level. I think a move to Italy w- would be a very positive step for him. Yeah, I agree. I think the link to AC Milan would, would be a good one. And and there's definitely a player there you could pick up for not, not a huge sum and who's pretty much the finished article. So, yeah, I think it's... It's time for him to move on, and I'm 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 still convinced that he could become a very serviceable player, and and I, you know I'm I'm pretty sure he's still in that picture for the for the national team as well. So yeah, fingers crossed, uh, luck will shine a bit better on him this year. As far as players within the picture of the national team, Christian Pavon at Boca Juniors, Tom, he's still at Boca Juniors since we recorded that podcast, but since then he's impressed for Argentina at the World Cup. He was one of their bright spots, heavy transfer links, but it looks like he'll be at Boca Juniors maybe for a bit longer to try and lift them to Libertadores' glory. But he's going to be moving, and when he does move, it's going to be for a big sum. Yeah, big time. Uh, He's, again, probably one of our biggest success stories in terms of players we've profiled. Um, Obviously looked good and had done well in those friendlies back in November, I believe it was. but yeah, he's just really kicked on. He's added that consistency and decision-making to his game that there are a few question marks about. Helped Boca to win a, uh, you know, back, a second league title. And, and obviously everyone saw him at the World Cup, even though I would have liked to have seen him used a bit more. But yeah, 50 million buyout clause. And he's get, he's another guy who's going to go straight to a to a really big club. And, and again, seems ready to, to, to make an impact straight away. I still think... Um, Martinez is is the better talent of the two, but Pavon has the pace, directness, and and fearlessness that that is going to worry any any fullback. So, yeah, he and and he's also a bit more versatile probably than than the player we saw a year ago. So, yeah, a, an absolute pleasure to see him play, and and really impressive that Boca have got the financial clout to to be able to hang on to him. Um, they'll, they'll definitely be glad that they have because they'll probably make double the money they did if they'd sold him last, last year. And they're looking good to retain their title and, and have a good shot, shot at the Libertadores, even though uh, they weren't that good in the group stage. One final player for us to talk about, that is Artur at Gremio. Since we recorded the podcast, he has moved to Barcelona. He did not make the Brazilian World Cup squad could have perhaps maybe seen him in that squad and he could have played a big role. He didn't, but he's on the ground at Barcelona. He's got some big shoes to fill, but so far doing well in the preseason friendlies. And Tom, he's a player our tour. We had the question with him, maybe that we had with Wendell, maybe not as strong as with Wendell, but he hasn't done it at a super high level for a very long time. But all of the signs so far are positive, even though the jury is still out. Yeah, I think it's an interesting sort of contrast with Wendell, but Artur has, has just looked certainly mentally um, much, much more mature. And, and the fact that he's won the Libertadores, 
He's um, he's he's done well so far in, in in the few games, friendly games that he's played for Barcelona. I think he's again someone who's just the perfect fit for that club. Certainly, as there's been a lot of talk about Valverde moving away from Barcelona's traditional style, I think he's someone who ties them back to the likes of Xavi and Iniesta and. I've always seen him as a very Spanish-style midfielder, and and I think he's going to be so important going forward for the national team because there just really aren't many of many players like him in Brazil. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think there's a lot more goodwill towards him than there were was for Mina from the Barcelona fans. If you just take a, I mean, it's always dangerous to to take the opinion just off Twitter, but there definitely seems to be a much more positivity around around him and a, a lot more faith that he he fits the club so yeah it's going to be interesting do you, do you think that it was a mistake not taking him to the world cup austin um i would have taken him to the world cup personally i think it's a bit strong to characterize it as a mistake brazil still had a really good squad he probably could have been helpful at points at the world cup but you know fernandinho is still a really good player and i know he didn't show it in that belgium match uh, but he's you know still good, and Fredji, who's now at Manchester United, is also a really high-level player. It's just so hard to get into that squad because the players in it are, as we've seen, just so, so good. Artur would have probably gone to the World Cup with just about every other squad there, but he wasn't in the Brazilian squad. Again, I would have taken him, but I think a mistake is, is a bit too harsh because there just are so many selection dilemmas like that. Yeah, definitely, definitely a fair shout. Just trying to keep it juicy, you know. But um, I think uh, I think he's someone who's who's going to have plenty more opportunities, and and I'd I'd be surprised if he wasn't at least in the in the Copper America squad next year, which which could represent a good chance for him. And and sort of what do you think his aim should be? But this year, because breaking into a side like Barcelona is a tough one, um, you know, filled with absolutely fantastic players. What do you reckon would represent a good season uh, for Artur? Yeah, actually kind of on that, um, two things. One, to get the English commentators to say Arthur and not Arthur. I don't want to hear any more Arthur. I'm done with Arthur. <laughs> His name's Arthur. Uh, but on a more serious note, yeah, I think just to get regular game time, I don't think he's going to start every match at Barcelona. The rumors from Brazil, I think, are pretty strong that you'll see Arthur in the September squads. Uh, Brazil are coming to the States to play the United States and reportedly El Salvador in a pair of friendlies. It's a perfect opportunity to put him in the squad and get him developed towards that Copa America. I think he's a player that Cheech absolutely sees himself using in the future, and and he's somebody that I think you'll see in that Brazilian shirt for a very long time. So he missed out on this World Cup, uh, but he's not going to miss out on many more in the future. So he, he's a player that, that definitely has a bright future ahead of him. All right, Tom, that's everybody that we wanted to cover on this kind of one-year-on show. There are some players that we've done, but we just did those podcasts. So we'll give them some time to breathe. And, and maybe we'll talk about them next summer, huh? Yeah, that sounds good to me. I think uh, all these guys were we've done, we've done well over six months ago. So in the meantime, we need to we need to crack on and, and get back into the habit of bringing all you listeners uh, the the latest South American talents. Because as as you said earlier, that's a that's a rich seam that just keeps on flowing. So plenty more to come in the in the the coming months and 
and then for the rest of the year. Absolutely, yeah. The foreseeable future for us, we've got Lucas Paqueta at Flamengo on the agenda, Rodrigo at Santos, who will be moving to Barcelona in the style of Vinicius Jr. to Real Madrid. Vinicius Jr.'s Real Madrid debut, perhaps, tonight against Manchester United here in the States. That should be fun to watch. Uh, we've got a couple of, well, a Chilean player, Angelo Arauz, who's just moved to Corinthians in Brazil in a really interesting move. And then also a player playing in Chile, Jefferson Soteldo is one that we've got our eyes on. So plenty of podcasts still to come and plenty of players to talk about. But that's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening. As always, stay tuned to the World Football Index for all the latest from us and plenty more from Tom and I here on the Scouting Spotlight podcast. All that's left for me to say is thanks for listening and goodbye.